Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code SPOTIFY for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, what's up, Geekscapists? Welcome to a brand new Geekscape podcast. I'm Jonathan London. That would be your host. And if this is your first Geekscape, well, strap yourselves in. We're going to talk movies, video games, comic books, some TV. I think we're going to really cover the Geekscape pretty well in this episode. It's basically a news and reviews episode. we got E3 going on right now. There's brand new stuff to watch on Netflix. we got Loki back on TV, so the MCU is up and at it. Um, There's a lot going on right now. And um, yeah, so we're going to be talking through it. Our good friend Josh Jackson from the Geekscape Games podcast is going to be here, and he's going to join Katie and I as we take you through really a lot of the E3 stuff going on, mainly the Nintendo Direct, because that is where my heart is. Um, Some things came out of it that I was super excited about, and some stuff where I was like, Nintendo, wait a minute, we're going to get into all that here in a little bit. Also, went to see In the Heights, we'll be talking about In the Heights, uh, and there's a, just a ton that we're going to be talking about today. So this is a pretty good news and reviews Geekscape for all of you. Um, yeah, there's a lot going on. You may have heard that Geekscape is an award winner. That's right. Uh, sorry about the lack of an episode last week. I know. I've been really bad about that stuff. Really bad. I do not intend for this show to become a twice-monthly show. It is a weekly show. But last week, Heidi and I went to South Carolina. We went to her hometown in Greenville. And we attended the Reader Reels Film Festival, which let the Geekscape produced Chasing Fletcher Allen in. Uh, and uh, we came back with some gold. Geekscape is an award-winning production company. Uh, how does that sound? I'm uh, sitting here on video on either uh, YouTube, Twitch, or Facebook, and I'm, I'm f- fixing a tie that I don't really have. I'm like, hey, how's that? So Geekscape, uh, pat yourselves on the back, Geekscapists. You helped put together a short film that is now... The best short from the Reader Reels Film Festival, a film festival that I thought of as like a regional film festival. And I was like, oh, cool. You know, the main thing with this festival is to go to South Carolina, Heidi's hometown, and let's show the film uh, to some of her friends and some of the people who helped invest in the movie. And uh, I think it would be important for Heidi to show her family and friends just what she does. She's very, very good at it. 
Um, and we're proud of the movie. So um, we went and showed it. And that's really all the expectations I had. What I didn't expect was for Reedy Reels to be a really fantastically run film festival. Um, usually with, like, I, I don't mean to bash film festivals. Sometimes you get into some of these regional film festivals and you're playing at, like, the rec center on, like, a classroom projector against, like, a cloth tarp up against the wall. Like, sometimes, <laughs> like, regional film festivals are not fun. Reedy Reels, on the other hand, uh, had this brand new state-of-the-art children's theater that they were holding all the screenings at the seats were awesome the projector was awesome everything was awesome and the non-film screening events were really good the, from the catering to the socialization networking all the stuff that you want out of a film festival they really handled it really well so my hats off to everybody at reedy reels thank you for hosting heidi and i thank you so much for giving us the best short award uh that was <laughs> that was incredible there was a lot of great films and so uh, my reaction, I think somebody has on video, but when they called out that Chasing Fletcher Allen had uh, won Best Short, which is something that I didn't even know we were up. I mean, I guess we were up for it. We were a short in the film festival. But there were so many great ones that um, when they called out our name, I just was like, what? <laughs> we were pretty shocked and amazed and happy. So Geekscape, is, that is your reward as well. That's your award not a reward. You don't actually get anything out of it. And the fact that you helped bring it to fruition, but uh, congrats Geekscapist. We're an award-winning production company now in partnership with Heidi's geek, uh, you know, production company, Dweeb Darlings and Fonco studios Geekscape baby. It starts with the baby as Tyrese would say. Um, let's see. Um, hmm. What else we got? What else we got? Uh, nothing. I actually have another short coming out this summer. I'm going to throw the Geekscape Productions on that, but that's a secret. You're the first piece of people to hell. Uh, you're the first people to hear about that. But I'm getting ahead of myself. Let's just kind of like start the show. There's again, like I said in the lead-in, there's a lot going on, and let's get to it. Who better to help shepherd us through all the news and reviews than my co-pilot, the real host of the show? <laughs> Katie Elsa, sir. You're still pushing that, aren't you? <laughs> well, you know what? Like, I, I honestly don't like not doing a weekly show. I, geeks who know me, you know that, like, I wanted to have a show like this the entire time I was in, like, middle school and high school. It was, like, my, my goal. I went to undergrad for communications, immediately, like, took on four years of college radio and then public radio just to, like, be into this stuff. Broadcasting is what I wanted to do. That was my first love. And Geeks Keeps a part of that. I want to do the show weekly. I want to be able to do that. It's just All the right. schedule is nuts. So mm-hmm. I am now bestowing the show to Katie. Oh, okay. I didn't realize there was your heir, your sole heir. You and Heidi need to have some kids. But also, yeah, man, if you have a week that you can't do, let me know. And I'll, I'll try and figure something out. Maybe Don't some... threaten the audience. I will threaten time. Don't threaten threaten them with a good time. I am six foot tall. I will threaten. (laughs) Why should this show start being good now? All right. 15 years in. Fair enough. Fair enough. Yeah. No, we want to keep our standards real low. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. No, I get it. Also, man, I, I, I think I've said this before in so many different ways, but also congratulations. That film is so fun and like, it's so great. And it was, it was cool to be a small part of it. And I just like everything about it. Like, Here's the thing that I love in storytelling is just like the heart that people put into it. And I feel like a lot of content sometimes just doesn't have the heart. So congrats to you. Congrats to Heidi. Yeah. 
that you know I'll, I'll say one thing about it is watching a lot of films especially short films sometimes they lean all comedy sometimes they lean all drama we had a very careful plate spin we designed the movie to be a little bit of both mm-hmm. and those are difficult tone changes but it's a challenge i definitely like aimed myself at i wanted to do that um and i think that that is one of the reasons that they rewarded us was because it, it felt like well deserved, eh? It, yeah, it just felt like a movie that covered a lot of bases and did a lot of things for a lot of different people in just like the 15, 16 minutes of its runtime. So Yeah. That's that's cool. That to me that's cool. That yeah. people laughed and gasped and the, that's pretty cool. they got emotional. They actually got emotional like in that short span of time, which was something that really was a goal of mine. And, uh, and there were yeah. some great films. There were great films that you were laughing through. There were great films that you were, you know, sad through or shocked by. And it was, it was awesome. So, um, there'll be more Fletcher Allen film screenings. There just will. And, right. uh, and like I said, there's, there's another short coming soon. Very excited about <laughs> like that. Like nobody knows about, uh, Matt Kelly's seen it. That's about <laughs> it. Um, so, Which, by the way, can I what? just say that, like, yes. I feel like Matt Kelly would be the person to hold a film festival, like, in his in his house that he now has, his former oh, yeah. house. You're, you're <laughs> not like, leaving the house. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. That It's also in that, like, attic basement thing that he works out of. I'm just saying, I feel like, let's flash forward a year in advance. We know Matt Kelly is going to be hosting. Well, it's funny to say that. Okay. <laughs> it's funny you say that because Matt and I are always talking about like things that offer the Geekscapists on the YouTube channel, things to offer people on the Twitch, and how those uh, things can be different. Because we want to, we we really we're in love with Geekscape and we're in love with the audience and giving them cool content. It, well, at the same time, like I just said with Jason Clatrell, like flexing our muscles to try and create things in other mediums, film or TV or something yeah. like that. So. Um, Matt has this new house and he, you know, we don't want to spoil any surprises, but there's going to be a lot of content streaming on the different like outlets of Geekscape okay. that you just have to keep your eyes open for. I, I mean, just here on the YouTube channel or the Twitch or the, the Facebook, we had like a, a new reunion of Disneyos talking about Cruella that just happened a little while ago on the same day. So there may come a time when y'all have five days of, or seven days of continuous Geekscape content. And not just an hour at a time, just like all day. You just kind of put Geekscape on the background and hang out with your friends. Those friends would be you, Katie, and I. Uh, and we just hang out and we just kind of geek out. And there's shows for all sorts of different people. We're always trying to add shows. And uh, I would love for like you and Josh and Shane to do some streaming. I would just love to, like, I don't know. Uh, I got an email from someone yesterday asking if they could work with Geekscape. And the thing is with working with Geekscape, I. Yeah, sure. You can work with Geekscape. We we're not going to give you anything to do. You come to us with like, like what do you do? What do you want to do? Yeah, what do you want to do here? Do you have an do you have an idea for a podcast? Do you have an idea for a show? Do you have an idea for something fun? And then just come and see if that's something that we can fit into our like different into what we do, and and we'll promote it because that's we've been running on enthusiasm this whole time anyway, and like fun this whole this whole time anyway. So like come join us that's you know i think matt and i we agree that this should be our uhf if you if you know if you know the movie yes, <laughs> you know, yes. this, this, is, <laughs> this is uhf for us and we're i do fun. 
I want someone, if anyone out there is like an artist or whatnot, I want to have some like, we want you poster, but it's it's London and it's like Geekscape. It's like, we want it your... Should be, it should be Super Action Man. Let's be clear. Oh, yeah. We're, yes. We very do, fair. We, we do have a, a patriot, uh, a star-spangled super soldier here at Geekscape, and that's Super Action Man. So yep. Um, yep. it should be Super Action Man being like, we is want that, you... Is that the short? Are you not no. gonna? Are you not gonna, okay. not gonna? No, the short okay. is. You're gonna be like, what was that? Uh, the short's <laughs> fun. I've said too much. Okay. All right, so um, Katie, you're here. Uh, let's bring Josh Jackson in. Um, you can hear both Josh and Katie later this week, I think, uh, on the Geekscape Games podcast. The Geekscape, you know, E3 is going on this week, so we we asked Josh to be a part of this. And he's going to be talking some video games. But if you really want the in-depth video game talk this week and all the ins and outs of what's going on at E3, you're going to want to subscribe to the Geekscape Games podcast or at least check out this week's show. I listened to Derek talk to his buddy John on the Xbox Game Passengers uh, episode that hit based on the, um, the Xbox presser that happened over the weekend. And that was awesome. I don't even have an Xbox. I don't have a Series 1. I don't have a Series S. I don't have... Any of it, but I'm it not was fa- I, I was it totally into it. Time. It's been it's been almost a year. Your Xbox One, I have my Xbox One, yeah, yeah, because it's been a long time, and I booted it up because of that matter. I was like, all right, let's get some updates. Let's get that I, Game Pass back. In I got to tell you, um, I thought that I, I was a PS5 guy, and obviously, like finances okay. not being a thing, like I would love to be a PS5 guy. But when, when it all? comes when it comes to like software support, looking at what Xbox just did, I think i'm gonna buy a series an xbox series before i buy a ps5 because it seems like ps5 that the playstation's a little late on the support on the software you're telling me <laughs> i know derek was always ahead of the game pass curve because i remember he used to talk about that years ago and uh yeah just like with game pass it's it, like they don't have the most exclusive games exactly but as long as you have that subscription it's like you never have to spend much, like go out and buy a game for like 60 bucks like ever again it's ridiculous oh it's insane it's absolutely insane and you know let's be clear i would just basically get it just to play um i'd probably be playing old ass games you know or, or see if see if thieves sounds like so much fun with your friends like that would be a lot of fun but uh let's get to video games here in a bit ultimately there's a lot going on um the the big stuff we'll, we'll get to Nintendo video games here in a bit, but I, I gotta say one of the most rewarding things that's happened over the last week is that Sweet Tooth, based on the comic book by Jeff Lemire, has hit Netflix. And I was so busy last week, I have not I had not been able to watch it, but it did not stop you Geekscapists from messaging me and saying how much you've been enjoying Sweet Tooth, which you checked out only because Derek and I have been professing love for the comic in the last two three weeks. I started finally watching this Sweet Tooth. Josh, you got to get on this train. It is so sweet. And someone online was comparing it to The Walking Dead meets Care Bears or something like that. But and yeah, like it, it's it, it it's one of those where it's you know with apocalyptic type shows, you just feel kind of gross and like you're like, "Oh, this there's no hope." There's no hope. You but, know. Then, but then you're centered around a kid who's just filled with hope. And holy shit, does it work. It's like, it's that hope that you're like, please go back to the hope part. And they do. And it, it it's a great comment. Yeah. It's not to say that the show doesn't get dark. There's definitely parts no. where, where Heidi's turned away from the screen. There's definitely parts where 
it, things are looking pretty grim for Sweet Tooth and Friends. But um, that casting on that kid, oh. and it is so much fun. And comparing it to the Jeff Lemire comics and the the character designs, like Jeff Lemire has a very distinct style, and but they've really made this a little cuter. Uh, Bobby in the Bobby in the comics does not look like Bobby in the show. I love Bobby in the comics, and I love Bobby in the show for completely different reasons. You, Geekscape is you just have to watch it. Like as we were saying to Josh, you just have to watch it. But expect a post-apocalyptic show that has animal mutant hybrids, human animal hybrids, a little kid with antlers, and it's a redemption story. It's a road trip. It is uh, a, a story about like. It's adventure. Man, man, adventure and mankind's, you know, self-destruction and redemption and all this stuff. Chris Robinson is in the chat and he says, it's fucking great. And yeah. I cannot agree more. Agreed. Agreed. And it, it, it's one of those shows that, like, you understand the terribleness of humanity and how awful we can potentially be. But there's also this other, like, heartfelt hope character that, like, still, like, it, it doesn't make it so dark that you're like, I can't watch another second of this, which is how I felt with Walking Dead. I yeah. felt like at a certain point, I was like, I just, humanity sucks so much. <laughs> and I don't want to be reminded of that. <laughs> yeah, I think I think you're accurate on that. And Matt actually has a pretty good question in the chat. He says, so my first trade of Tweet Tooth still hasn't arrived. On a scale from 1 to 10, how required is reading the book before watching? And do I need to read the full run? Or if I read the first trade, will that cover it? Well, Matt, I've got, a, I've got one episode left of the eight that are on Netflix now. And I got to tell you, the things that are happening in the series are that you're expanding on some of the characters that are only briefly seen in the series. So in the comic series, it's very centered on Sweet Tooth. You do not get a lot of uh, side stories that you would get in the TV. In the TV show, you're seeing some things that are happening in the world around Sweet Tooth. So you're going to different locales. You're seeing those characters. You're seeing flashbacks to earlier times. The comics... Like it's very centered on Sweet Tooth and his journey. That Here, sense. that Sweet Tooth's journey with Shepard is very Shepard. Uh, Shepard is very is is very much the spine of the show. But the show gives you a lot of backstory to other characters, and they do it beautifully. And so, it's and not as centered I, on Sweet Tooth. Yeah, like that. That was one of the things because I love will forte i've never seen him in this capacity and it's so well done and there was a point where i thought i wasn't gonna see him ever again and i was like you know what i've come to terms with it whatever but like there's so much more in it that i was like i don't know why he hasn't won an emmy yet like he's fantastic and I, like, i've always thought he was great yeah right. Yeah, and he's wonderful in this role. There's so many characters in this show that are just they're so beautifully brought to life. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so, Matt, I would say that if you feel like watching the show, start the show up. It's not going to detract from your. Uh, I have not the read the comic, so I, I I will put that. I haven't read any of it. Yeah. yeah, Matt, Matt, I think you can watch the show and then you can read the comic and know that the comic is a little bit more focused on Sweet Tooth and the Gus character. And that it probably narratively goes further than the show because I have one episode left. I don't think it, I mean, there's just no way they're, they're going to get narratively as far as the comic does. So I fingers crossed for season two because they canceled Jupiter's legacy. Jupiter legacy also had a lot of behind the scenes stuff that it oh, came to light. Uh, yeah. They, they had a showrunner change. They were over budget. There's a lot of stuff that going on with Jupiter's legacy that 
sadly, we didn't. We aren't going to get any more Troopers Legacy. I enjoyed it. I feel like they righted the ship that was created when they had like some funky production issues. But um, mm. yeah, Sweet Tooth is something. That, man, it just makes me happy to watch this show. And as a celebration of a of a, a creator that I've loved for a very long time, there are a lot of Jeff Lemire shout outs. There is a Gideon Street. He has a show. He has a series called Gideon Falls. He he had there is an Essex County. The first time I fell in love with Jeff Lemire and his artwork and his writing was on the big trade paper, uh, trade paperback graphic novel collection of the Essex County series that really got him a start back in Canada. Uh, Essex County is right up there with blankets. If you want like the tearjerker trade paperback piece of artwork that's like that thick, it's, it's a super thick um, book. If you want that. In the same way that if you read Blankets, you're like, wow, this really is a great representation of this graphic art form and how it can capture emotion. Um, Blankets is one of them. Essex County is another one. Uh, But yeah, cool. Uh, Jason Elliott dropped in to say, yo, always great to see you talking geek stuff. I I, I barely know English, but I I can speak geek. All right, so that was Sweet Tooth. We love Sweet Tooth. You've got... To um to watch also, some, some sweet tooth. Text me when you watch the last episode. I just want to know your thoughts. I will. Um, I got so wrapped up in talking about sweet tooth, I didn't even like share a picture of sweet tooth on the screen. <laughs> and just look at that kid; he is adorable. Sorry, podcast listeners. But like, how old is he going to be for second season? Because they shot either before or like during the pandemic. So like, the kid's going to be so much older once we come back to this story. You know what? Just de-age him. They did it with Benjamin <laughs> Button. Just de-age him. Just Great. make the kid younger. Great. Just uh, mark him. Okay. Just make him younger. Uh, Sweet Tooth's fantastic. Mm-hmm. Okay. So the next thing we should talk about, Josh, is we went to see In the Heights. Um, In the Heights is, uh, I mean, first off, this is like the Lin-Manuel Miranda movie. It, it was delayed a year. Um if you're a fan of Hamilton, like he became a star off of Hamilton, but this was his first outing as a, you know, this is his first play for the most part, his first musical. Mm-hmm. And um, I went to see it on Sunday. I knew nothing about the, the musical. Really? A couple, a couple of my friends did. And uh, I went because yo, La Raza. I went and I bought out a row because Latinx baby, like I want a Latino films to succeed. And we went to see it. Um, and I gotta ask, like Josh, you're a, a, Min, a Lin Manuel like super fan. What did you think of in the Heights? Yeah, I was in a similar spot as you. Like I kind of was introduced to it after Hamilton, and I knew bits and pieces, but I was trying to stay as blind as I could going into it, so I could be surprised. And I really liked it a lot. You can see a lot of the, well, like a lot of his style and his fingerprints all over it from that made Hamilton kind of blow up just the way that mm-hmm. each character has so much heart and they manage to get such a deep, intricate story out of, out of so many different characters, but being able to keep it all cohesive and all with some really great, like music, the wordplay and the lyrics was fantastic. And the uh, direction with some of the visual effects that they had in the movie just really helped it stand out even more and helped it go like kind of above and beyond. Cause a thing about musical movies, like, Aside from Hamilton, I've always been kind of a big like musical person, and a lot of times I feel like movies. I didn't know yeah, that. it's like, like you know, growing up on Disney, and then it's kind of like the next 
the live action stuff's kind of the next step up. So like I've always really been into that stuff. But I've noticed like a lot of movie adaptations of musicals don't always fully take advantage of being like being on the big screen and having that budget and having that level of creativity. And I feel like they really did like they really took it far with this, especially the um the one song where they were dancing on the side of the building and they were I was yeah. gonna ask, I was like the one visual that comes to mind when you're talking about this, it's it's that dance on the side of the yeah. building. And did you watch it, Katie? Oh yes. Well <laughs> <laughs> Oh, absolutely. It's so funny because Leda was so sweet to uh, offer me some of the tickets uh, for Mm -hmm. that show, but I was at a birthday party, so I couldn't go to the actual theater. We were planning on watching it on HBO later that night, and like the Roku app like kept stopping in the middle of every, and it was driving Mm -hmm. us crazy. Was it the blackout? (laughs) In the in the movie, in the movie, yeah, and it was yeah. just completely black. No, but literally, the screen would just go blank, and we're like, "What is happening right now?" And it would kind of get like glitchy, weird mm-hmm. type of stuff. So he just streamed it from his phone, from the HBO app, from his phone. So the Roku app might not be the. And you like threw it to your TV, right? You didn't watch and it just on the phone. Stream- no, we streamed to the TV. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Because scared it was, the hell out of me. It was late at night, and I was like, I need to see this on some kind of plane. <laughs> um, but absolutely loved it because I, I actually saw the show in some of the original days when it was actually when it came out to LA, and I actually saw Lim Manuel perform as Usnavi. And there were so many different things that it was like, oh, they they put that moment here or they put that mm-hmm. moment here. But like the visuals, I agree, yeah. Josh, were so fantastic they really took advantage of it actually being on film those were the that was the highlight for me like i don't mean to be the downer um i'm not a big musical person and uh mm. you know uh, you'd think like knowing me i just sing all the time and i have such a beautiful <laughs> voice um, <laughs> i i'm not a big musical person uh i think that hamilton's cool i like hamilton i'm not i i don't it, it kind of goes you know, Matt Kelly's mad at me right now, probably because he loves Hamilton. And I think you should love Hamilton. And I think people should love In the Heights. Um, the music's great. I think that. Um, All right. Ulti- which one do ultimately, you like better? Ultimately, the directing is what sold this for me. Um, well, Hamilton, I've only seen on that Disney Plus thing where they're shooting the stage. And so, like, performance wise, it's pretty awesome. But here, the visuals are just popping and but the movie then- keeps moving. And I love that. That's Musically. Also- I'm going to sound like a jerk and say that musically I like, okay, they're all singing until they're rapping and then they're singing again. You don't need to comment right on that one. You don't need yeah. to comment on that. But like at the same time, like, no, I do get the, the visual. But if you ever see this in the theater, this is a fantastic show to see in the theater because the guy who's in the theater or the movie theater. In the theater. <laughs> okay, got it. Got it. Because okay. I did see it in the theater. You stood me up. Um. I didn't. Meet, I has a birthday party. Anyway, but like the, the kid who does the graffiti art, he's a whole character that you don't really talk to until like midway slash right. past the, the second act break. But he's this beautiful dancer that like it opens with him like on a spotlight and he like almost like spins and surrounds himself with like uh, paint. spray paint. But Incredible. it's. it's it's not that, you know, like it's obviously a prop, but whatever, but it, it's such a beautiful, like I, the way they transitioned from the theater version of the visuals into the, like the film version, I was like, 
I agree. The the moment on the side of the building was one of those things that I was like, I couldn't stop thinking, how did they do that? How, which mm-hmm. like gimbal did they use? Like what, what setup did they do for this? I like, think there was a lot of rotoscoping. I think they did oh, yeah. a lot of crazy stuff, but I mean, those were my two favorite characters narratively, like story-wise. I, I don't think that the story was too strong. I thought that the story was fine in a great setup to have a lot of people singing and dancing, which mm-hmm. is great. But we, I felt like it was a very long first act where you get a lot of people in their dreams and wishes. And then <laughs> they, and they get those dreams and wishes satisfied. <laughs> I was like, okay, cool. Um, but, not, but not in the way you expect. That's... Um, very much in the way that I expected. <laughs> well, one... well, you're also somebody who writes for film and writes these kinds of stories. So like, that makes sense structurally. But like at the same like, time, yeah. like, but it, like, I mean, so many people come home thinking that like they're one way and like they leave another. Like there's so many different things about this that I, I, I thought was beautifully done. And Let's especially... just be clear. With okay. this casting of these two leading actresses, okay, you're, you're picking them. <laughs> like, like <laughs> no matter what those male characters do and what their hopes and dreams are, the second you see those two ladies on screen, you're like, "Oh, those other dreams—they got to go out the window." Because these ladies are, oh my goodness, like, wow! But also insanely talented. Like their incredible. voices, incredible, and their incredible. dancing skills. The singing, the dancing, all that stuff that Jonathan wants to appreciate more, but is too much of a Cro-Magnon to actually do. That checks out. That really does check out. (laughs) I I want to, like, it is amazing. They're incredible. I can can objectively say that they are incredible and everything in this movie is, you should see this in the theater. Do not watch it on the phone like Katie did. (laughs) I I didn't watch it on the phone. I didn't watch it. Don't yell at me. I've been been hearing more and more about how in the theater it's like such an experience. So I'm debating trying to go down and see it. But um, I did, yeah, I did want to add that I kind of, even though I did love it, I do kind of agree with Jonathan though, because there were parts where I feel like, and maybe it's different in the play because I know, and even though I haven't seen it, I know they rearranged some things. Some things were added just for the movie. Some things were cut they out. Deleted a character, right? But mm-hmm. some of the stuff, especially towards the end, it felt a little rushed to me, and that some of it was unearned, especially with like Usnavi's decision at the end. We, we, like you yeah, know, where he's yeah. like he literally just we don't want to spoil right. Anything, yeah, he, yeah, it's like you know the decision he makes at the end is just. I felt like it just came out of nowhere, and it was just kind of like, all right, it's already like almost two and a half hours, which was another thing that you mentioned the first act was kind of lengthy and not, I kind of want to watch it again when I have all the time in the world, but I watched it right when it premiered and I had to go to work super early the next day. And like, Oh no. Yeah. And then like after the blackout scene, I was thinking that it was going to start wrapping up pretty soon. And I think there was like a whole other hour to it. And it got to the point where I was like, all right. Well, because <laughs> the blackout scene is where you, it's your act. It's the intermission. And it's that's the, the intermission, intermission in the theater. Yeah. And in the theater. We're going to distinct, make a distinguishing theater. It, there's an amazing thing that like they, they did different in the film that I had to explain to Mark later, but like the reveal of the the winner, I will just blandly mm-hmm. say, happens in that moment. Like they It has sing a whole up, song. They yeah. sing about it. And I was like, oh, they cut that part. Like, it, they, yeah. That song was still there, but like the one moment at the very end, which when I saw it in the theater... The whole room gasped, and I was yeah. like, 
oh, that was so cool. Because I had heard the music before, but like, um, it's such a moment that I was like, oh, that's an interesting choice, at least for the film. That's well, ultimately, Geekscape is, I would say, watch this in a movie theater. We got to get you back to theaters. I hope you all yes. bought your Black Widow tickets. I know I did. Uh, and go, you know, enjoy this. This is something that should be on a big screen, not yes. on a phone, as I did Katie saw it. Phone. Which uh, Star Star twenty nine oh two from Twitch says, watching a new film on the phone. No, ah, Star Star. No, no, no I didn't no. watch it on the phone. We had Katie. to cast it because the Roku HBO app was breaking the whole time. Anyway, Katie, Katie, you have disappointed Star Star. <sighs> Starshark2902, we're trying to convert them into Geekscapists by earning their trust in our opinion and our enthusiasm about Geekdom, and you go and watch a brand new film on a phone? How dare you, ma'am? Times three. Okay. Um, Bolt T is like, hey, when Loki talk? Okay, <laughs> we can do Loki talk. We can do Loki talk all you want. Um, y'all want to do Loki talk? You want to do some talk on uh, some E3? I mean, I got to tell you, the only video game I've been playing, I'll tell you what video game I've been playing. This is how much of a gamer I am. (laughs) All right? Let me just tell you straight up the video game I'm playing. This game, I bought this game to bring on the plane with me to uh, South Carolina. And I got to tell you, Metopia. Hey! (laughs) I got to tell you, man. I made a map. I am all about this Metopia. It is is it a good game? No, it is basically <laughs> one of the most it is one of the most basic RPGs you could possibly be playing. You make a little me of yourself. You then make me's of your friends. I haven't made Josh and Katie yet, but I will. You have to, you, have, you add you create them as you get to them narratively. I made a Matt Kelly. He's on my team, uh, and there's a little you know you can assign classes to your friends that you make, and then you're on this really thin storyline to like free the kingdom and send people classes like you are ranking no like jonathan is a warrior class and later in the game i had to reset my class so i made him a pop star class Mm -hmm. so i can sing to hurt people which is very accurate um i made matt kelly an imp so he like runs around with a little, he like flies around with a little pitchfork, which is very accurate to Matt Kelly. Um, what else? Uh, my friend Jesse, who's a, who's a nutritionist and likes to cook, I made him a chef. He hits people with a frying pan. But there's also the classic D and D classes, like a thief and a paladin and a mage. You can do all those, but. I did not pass up the chance for Jonathan to have a big fat microphone that he hits people with as a pop star. And he does like a pose whenever he sings. It's stupid. The game is ludicrously thin, but if you're on a plane ride across the country and you want to laugh a lot, it's enough for a simpleton like me again. Like I, when did you get this? I picked it up like the day before I left to South Carolina. I'm probably halfway through the game. Probably. I don't know how long this game is. I just know that everything kind of feels like the same. I'm shocked that there's a story. It reminds me of just those Street Pass games that they would sell for like three bucks on your 3DS. Uh, Josh, it is very much like a Street Pass game that we used to have back on the 3DS days that I was also addicted to. (laughs) Shout out to Flower Town. But um, this game was more expensive and is longer with not much more content on anything but a narrative sense. It is a very... Very redundant in every sense. This is a solid fifty-five percent on a Metacritic, in my opinion. Let's give it the fifty-five percent. Um, Matt says, "I love Jonathan." He talks about he doesn't like musicals for being predictable and uninspired, and then he goes and plays Metopia <laughs> cross country. Thank um, you, Matt Kelly. Yeah. Matt, Thank you, please, Matt. 
This has nothing to do with... Uh, listen, I wanted to spend time with my friends, so I made them little digital creatures that I can go into like little caverns with in quests. I, you know, musicals on the other hand, all right, like, I don't know. I can't really tell the difference between the songs. Oh, really? Like, you're like, thinking right. that something with a mindless plot is uh, better than something with, with a mindless dancing, plot and singing, yes. singing, cinematography. Yeah, freaking- uh, I'm going to answer that. No, I think that the mu- musical is better, but I think that I enjoy both of them the least. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I, that's but, one way to say it, sure. <laughs> Star Star says, thoughts on the Elden Ring announcement? We're going to have to throw that one to get the Geekscape Games crew because you know all I cared about was that Nintendo Direct uh, because I was salivating for some Breath of the Wild 2. Uh, y'all want to talk E3? Y'all want to talk Loki? Shall we save Loki to the end of the show? We can do this however y'all want to do it. Let's save Loki. Experts. Let's do some E3. Let's save Loki to the end of the show. Josh, what do you think about sure uh, the Elden Ring? Um, I, I'm terrible, but I didn't watch the trailer yet. I was at work when it went on, and I haven't got around to it. But I've kind of read more about it. And, I mean, it's it looks like there's a lot to be excited about. It's just, I don't know. I'm getting to the point where I'm kind of, I don't want to say cynical. I mean, that's probably the right word, cynical, because there's so many things that just get announced and then they sit on the back burner for years and then they come out and then they're like disappointing. So if it's a cinematic trailer and there's not a whole... Or they're just they're, they're a rehashing of like another game and it's just like, all right, yeah, I I know. Yeah, yeah like, like for Metopia, for example. But <laughs> yeah, <laughs> no, guys, I'm not proud. I'm not proud. Listen, I literally... Y'all not at Animal Crossing days. Like, we get it, you know. The, great, all... the greatest thing about Metopia is... I slept on the plane. <laughs> like it, it absolutely is so thin. Can that I? Can I? Just I fell asleep you, playing it, and I am you, happy for it. If you want, like a really good game to fall asleep to, um, Endless Ocean is kind <laughs> of the game for you. I, I think they ported it to Switch at one point, but like the soundtrack yeah. on that, I would, I would fall, I literally would fall asleep in the menu because it was so yeah. soothing. Okay. I was just gonna say well, the title um, screen music was want- something else. <laughs> It was like something you could just throw yeah. on in the background yeah. and just leave it on overnight. No, no. I'm going to get you guys the title screen music on this little fucker. <laughs> I'm wondering. I'm very on. curious if it's like let, the let same me, composer let, somehow. Okay, because... Hold on. Let, let me let me save my game. Yeah, you and, save your uh, game. Hold on, hold on. Hold on. I want to. I'm going to save and quit. I want to. Hold on. I want to play all the psychotic <laughs> start music on oh Utopia. Ready? We're doing this. Listen to these little fuckers. <laughs> hey, it sounds like in the heights. You fall asleep to this? <laughs> Listen to those little bastards. No, it does not. <laughs> there, there's, like, like, there's like these little screaming, there's like these little faces that are like hopping up and down in the e- eyes. That's and not something I, that I like, think, I think they're very, sleep, they're very funny. Whee! These, these little bastards are singing. Honestly, I think this feels like a toad game for some reason. Yeah, it's, it's not as good as a toad game. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> the, the toad... Yeah, like, that, like, that was some backward shit there. <laughs> oh, no. Toad Treasure Tracker is a gem. That is a mm. great game. This is this is not a great game. This is a very thin game that Jonathan was like, you know, playing this game, I wanted to play Nino Kuni again because I was like, now there's a, JP, now there's a role-playing game I can get behind. 
Um, Star Star says it sounds like the Splatoon's singing. It's very much like the Splatoon singing. Um, Matt says, again, Hamilton, whatever. Hamilton's fine. They sing and then they rap and then they sing again. It's cool. And you learn history. Um, I, I, like, I, I don't even have a Broadway friend to like, like stand on, you know. They just, uh, well, no, gosh, listen, what what's wrong? Like, where's the Metopia musical? That's hey, what I'm looking for. I want a little bastard well, no, on the stage go, Splatoon actually did a concert, like a hologram concert, like Tupac, but with the squids. Yes, they did. So naturally, Metopia is just the next step up. Yeah. Yeah. I want to go on record, okay? Because Matt's coming at me in the chat. It's a step down. <laughs> I fully acknowledge that this is not good. Okay? okay, but we don't all have to be, you know, the pinnacles of cultural appreciation. I'm literally getting trash from somebody in the chat who is the the procure. What was your nickname, Matt? It's like the procure of all that is shit. Like you, <laughs> Matt. This guy has like. Just the film um, festival guy. Just call the film festival guy. No, Matt literally has the worst films ever put to celluloid on his DVD shelf in his brand new place. The prop- he is known as the proprietor of all that is shit. And he's giving me some flack. I don't want to hear it. I don't want to hear it. Okay, so continued. Let's talk Sabine I, like, 3. Ironically, we- if you're going to talk about bad movies, one of the biggest announcements, for me at least, was that they announced a Plumbers Don't Wear Ties port. Are you aware of that game, John? No. It, it, <laughs> no, but Matt what? Kelly just pointed out that the Carnosaur box set is next to Casablanca in his house. <laughs> yeah, I know, buddy. I know, and I love you so much. Um, so, what is the plumbers don't wear? It's it's what? some really really terrible like 3DO era game that it was like back when every game was trying to have like live action actors with that really like sh- like crappy FMV <laughs> stuff. But listen. <laughs> I miss the SMB games. I went back and somebody had written a like you know 15 year retrospective on Jedi Knight which was Dark Forces or 2 and man that's all we had. Back in the day when you're watching Jedi Knight Dark Forces 2 and you're watching those like live action cutscenes, that was our Disney Plus, okay? <laughs> that was our Mandalorian. Look, try finding that stuff on YouTube. And not throwing your computer across the room. Those things are terrible. <laughs> well, see, the thing about this one Fair is enough. even in that era, though, it's mostly a slideshow with dialogue over it. Like, it's just, it's too, it's too hard to yeah. explain. I know Shane was really excited about it. I'm sure he'll talk a lot about it on the Geekscape Game Show. But <laughs> it's just known as one of the, yeah, time. so it's kind of has this reputation of being one of the worst games of all time. But it's also really expensive because no one had the system it was on. And wow. they printed like five copies. Yeah. Isn't it the best? Yeah. Oh. 3DO, had, they, I wanted it because I'm a huge, I was a huge Wing Commander fan. And they had the console port of Wing Commander. But then I remembered I actually just have Wing Commander on my PC, I'm good. Another series that on the third and fourth, you know, installments went to live action when they put Mark Hamill and other actors in that um, mm-hmm. series. And again, I watch those cutscenes on YouTube, and they make me hurt for 14, 15, 16 year old Jonathan and the standards yeah. that he had. Much higher now. Do y'all want to hear the Me Tokyo <laughs> song again? No. Nope. Anyway, <laughs> this, guy, this freaking guy. Um, <sighs> So y'all are going to go be on Geekscape Games. You're going to talk the full like breadth of hmm. what is going on at E3. The breadth the... of the wild things Can that we... are going I on? Was, I wasn't going to do that because I think it's hacky. 
Unlike the, do you want to hear the Metopia song again? Anyway, no. <laughs> uh, can we talk about this Nintendo Direct? Because it's really where I focus all my attention on E3. I just needed some Breath of the Wild 2 in my day. And can I just say that I love Nintendo. They're my they're one of my first loves. But this Breath of the Wild stuff... The, we're getting Breath of the Wild 2 next hmm. year. Not holiday. Finally. Next year. I was going to be so mad if they didn't mention anything about this. Because last time... I remember we even talked about this last time. You were very excited about Hyrule Warriors. They started talking about a DLC with Hyrule Warriors. And I was which like... they already I, announced yeah. a month and a half ago or two months exactly, ago. Exactly. Which I was like, why are especially we Especially when they said this? that was... Like, a, I literally haven't Yeah, note. especially because they were like, this is the last Go thing ahead. we're going to talk about today or the last reveal i'm like how is that the last reveal we've known about this thing for like a year i mean yeah. look we we've all been pissed about it i mean those of us with the and i liked love, the game and i'm pissed you about did it. no you did and you you still ch- kept trying to get me to own that game i still haven't bought it i still haven't played it and i'm like i just all i want is hmm. this well, right Katie, here if you don't I'm like so the excited. dynasty warrior games if you don't like those dynasty warrior smash em up games don't buy Age of Calamity. You won't enjoy it. Yeah, no, I, I know. I, I like those games. To me, they're kind of like the the new versions of... Remember when the PlayStation 2 had the Lord of the mm-hmm. Rings games and you could just like smash up like a little bit 2D side-scrolling and you just you know could pick your character and smash your way through the levels? This feels like that. And that's what those Dynasty Warrior games feel like and Age of Calamity feels like that. Age of Calamity supposedly is in canon with Breath of the Wild 2, which if you play the game, it does have some time, you know, jumping shenanigans and does create a splinter of the, of the timeline in the same way that Ocarina of Time did. Right. That being said, do I think that's a problem? No, these things happen. And watching the gameplay trailer for Breath of the Wild 2, I got to say, the time shenanigans are not over. I no, think no. This, this game, le- this trailer left a lot of clues People online have already started playing the music backwards, realizing that there's multiple Zelda themes in the theme when played backwards, which is just wow. nerddom in a, to a psychotic <laughs> level, if that's what you're doing. Wait, just, just look at this shot that we have on the screen here. This is straight up Skyward Sword, like diving mm-hmm. type of stuff. Like this is this is some of the stuff that like we've already had rebranded and you know ported over into the to the Switch, which is like great. It's so excited, yay! But also. Like, there's so many different shout-outs, at least in, like, the very few moments of the trailer alone, from games. And, like, one of the notes that I wrote down, because, yes, I did write notes when I watched the... But, like, I was like, why, why aren't we just porting the whole N64 library over into the Switch? Like, it's, like, all that we're yeah, trying to do. I'm, I'm okay with this game having Breath of the Wild... Or, not Breath of the Wild, sorry, Skyward Sword, like shout outs as long as it is not skyward sword as star star 2902 says in twitch i'm hoping the second breath of the wild game is also free roam it has to be free roam um because that is a breath of the wild game it's gonna it's gonna be free roam um that being said that is the biggest problem with skyward sword was that it was the least free roam of any zelda game it was a fetch quest that pointed you i mean you just it was on the rails the entire time painful it was like you couldn't like if you went to another section. It was like okay, sure, I guess, but like you're literally above the clouds, able to drop in at mm-hmm. any point in any section, technically speaking. But but yeah. they'd be empty. You no, know, yeah. they'd be empty. You couldn't do anything. Like you couldn't like that was what was so great about Breath of the Wild and the fact that like you know 
you could climb wherever you could go wherever like it was just like i spent hours on that game and i wasn't in the same spot right anytime i think at this point you can now fly wherever is what we're seeing we're seeing parts of hyrule being lifted out of the ground and being floating islands we're seeing similar parts of the map that we saw from breath of the wild i think that this is just going to be breath of the wild with a vertical like also aspect some, to it which is fucking cool to the, the enemies like we've got the like never say this i only mm. read it in my mind and it's not the same way the bubble bubble the bubbleclins hmm. bubbleclins i, I yeah. don't know I, I now don't right they're ever. on top of on like top a of yeah. onyx a, a, yeah or a stone yeah 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 it, it, i i love that like it's it's almost like we're kind of like zombieifying some of these uh enemies which is great and, Link also gets the guardian armor that was hinted at in the production artwork for Breath of the Wild. So he finally has the guardian armor that he can put on his arm. It looks like he can use a flamethrower. Hmm. I'm in. Like, I don't care. Just put Breath of the Wild on it, and I'm in. I don't care. I clearly played Age of Calamity. I'm a sucker for this. I feel like back when we're talking about Skyward Sword, I feel like in a way this is a good way to kind of redeem the concepts of it, because that game was so divisive, and, you know, it's such a contradiction that... Who's on the other side of it? A lot of people are just saying, like, oh, this was just, like, a shoehorn way to have some kind of an origin story. Um, like, a lot of people were not super into the, the like, the way that People it defend like- the game? My only defense of the game is that I Here's- like the story, and it has one of my favorite Zelda dungeons, but it is the second la- is the last dungeon. And it's one of my favorite Zelda dungeons, and that's my mm-hmm. only defense of Skyward Sword. I, here's the thing. I thought it was a beautiful game. I thought it was great. It was unique. We were actually using voiceover actors. There's so many things about that game that are beautiful and awesome. The, where it fits in the timeline, I'm like, okay, sure. It, why not? Um, you know, like it, like, it was a fun game. I thought the the final battle was a little bit too easy for my taste. It, 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 like, I, I forget what potions I got, but I apparently, like, completely overpowered myself, and I was done in, like, two minutes. Mm. And I'm like, what? Oh, I'm usually like I'm struggling. I I'm not a gamer that does things easily. Like the fact that it was easy for me was like, oh, that felt cheap. Mm-hmm. Um, so I I respect Skyward Sword for what it was. I have the book. I have Hyrule Astoria because of it. Um, but apart from that, like I'm Breath of the Wild was the one that was like, oh, now mm-hmm. I'm back in. And Josh, what were you gonna add? I'm sorry. Oh no, no, I was just gonna off. say like in a way, I feel like it's kind of revisiting those concepts but hopefully in a way that's more universally praised and applying it to that open like the freedom and the open world that breath of the wild allowed so i mean it's exciting i'm looking forward to it um the little bit of footage they showed looked excellent so again it's further out so it's hard for me to be super excited because they showed what like 30 seconds of gameplay in it so it's like there's not you know there's not a whole lot of to dig into exactly unless you want to listen to the music backwards apparently but yeah yeah fans are listening to the music backwards and finding all these zelda themes in the music backwards but also the rewind time stuff looks like it's an aspect to the the fighting and the the traversing of this world is being able to rewind or to pass through uh, things that you you know there's a sequence where there's like a drop that gets uh rewound back into wherever it dripped from and Link now has that ability to travel through things. Mm -hmm. So that's cool. Um, Speaking of what's not feeling like free roam, my biggest disappointment, but please defend this, people, because you have to to convince me on this one. I'm still going to play the damn thing because I can't not play the damn thing because what we're talking about is a Metroid game 
And that's the announcement of the 2D Metroid Dread. That was like really the biggest announcement today is that we're going to get a new Metroid game. But all these Prime fanboys, of which I'm one of the Prime fanboys, I wanted an open world Metroid Prime type game where Samus is exploring multiple parts of a galaxy from an asteroid belt to a, you know, a planet. I wanted to see that kind of aspect taken in a Metroid fashion. Instead, we're getting another 2D game, which just felt like what the 3DS was mm. for. But Here's, here's mm. the thing, though. When it comes to 2D games, considering Ori in the Blind Forest, considering all the different, like, uh, even Super Meat Boy, like, even in, like, the earlier ages of this, like, 2D, uh, and just platformers in general, the art and the design has been completely upgraded from mm. where they used to be. And, like... Yeah, 2D. It's platformer. It's a different style. Um, I, I asked me like three years ago. I never would have touched any of this stuff. But like the art and everything has just advanced so well that like I I feel like especially because Metroid like started as this, this is totally the perfect way to present Metroid. I, it, I'm very excited for yeah. this. I, that's <laughs> good. <laughs> if it's nineteen, if it's nineteen eighty seven, no, I'm yeah. Kidding. Have you played Ori in the Blind Forest? Let me yes. just I, I love to. I, I do love 2D platformers. I really yeah. do. But uh, but the the criticism of Metroidvania type stories are that they are linear in nature. That you just keep going until you get the item, and then the item opens up another part of the map, and then you backtrack to that part of the map, and you get a little bit further, and you get another item that opens up a different part of the map. I'm not saying that that's what Metroid Dread is specifically. But when the criticism of a Metroidvania-type game, your name is actually in the criticism that it is a Metroidvania-type game, it's time to expand things. And I'm a big fan of the... I, I thought that the Switch... And maybe I'll, maybe it still will be, because this game comes out in October, and we may still get another me- big Metroid title before there's a, a console change on Nintendo's part. Yeah. But um, I thought that... We went, we we were going to get a 3D title, Metroid title on the Switch announced today, and instead we get a 2D one, and it just didn't feel like the full maximizing of the console when I when I right. saw this. Piece. Well, to me, it's like 2D platforms, especially, and I think a lot of games recently. You mentioned Ori, um, like Shovel Knight, and even all the people who will find mm-hmm. a million different reasons and ways to redo and remake and revisit Mario. It's like those games in particular, that genre, for whatever reason, feels like it's such a timeless one that ages so much better than so many other genres. Because with 3D and Metroid Prime is like one of the best games ever made. So that's obviously an exception to the rule. But a lot of times you play a 3D game that was like the best thing ever from 2001. You go back and play it now and it's just it doesn't hold up. And the thing about 2D Metroid in particular is that it's always kind of been the standard bearer for its genre. And it's always been, I mean, of course that, like you mentioned, John, the genre has been kind of changed to like Metroidvania because Castlevania kind of one upped it in a lot of ways, but generally speaking, it, that whole genre was created off of the backs of what Metroid made. And people have been waiting on a game like this for a really long time. I think they, they mentioned that it's been 19 years since Metroid fusion came out, which is the last time we got a 2d game. They had a couple of remakes mm-hmm. in between, but this is the first like brand new one. Yeah. And this game was actually canceled twice. Like it was supposed to come out on a, a variety of different platforms before. And so people have been waiting for it for so long that I think people forgot about it. So I think a lot of the enthusiasm is coming from the fact that the standard bearer of the genre is not only returning, but it's 
the same concepts that we've heard about off and on for God, it's got to be like at least 10 ish years. Cause I think it was originally supposed to come out on the DS and then it kind of wow. disappeared and then sh- shuffled to the 3DS. And then instead we got stuff like Federation Force and like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, yeah. and the thing too, is that like with Metroid Prime 4, that's being made by like a completely different team. So, and mm. I think it was two years ago that they announced that they completely scrapped development and were starting all over because they didn't like how it was going. There was something like that. So it did. <laughs> yes. at the very least, I'm happy to know that you know, it's two completely different teams, so this one's not taking away time from Prime, and I'm happy that we're getting something in between, especially since it's not only returning to that style that a lot of people have been waiting for for so long, but also that it's adding a lot of the new mechanics that they added to the 3DS remake of Part 2 that with the melee attacks mm-hmm. and that kind of stuff. So it's also not just a straightforward like recreation of a Super Nintendo game or whatever. It's adding new things to it that'll hopefully keep it fresh. So I'm excited for it. In the in in its defense, it they do they do these two D's platformers fantastically. I actually like I also like narratively what I've seen in the trailer and kind of what the concept was yeah. that Samus has to go into hiding and is actually being hunted for a lot of these this game by this by this brand new character that's completely robotic and the Samus's attacks don't work on it. So Samus has to like go stealth and this and that or outsmart it. And I think that that's a, that's a pretty cool uh, aspect of the gameplay. I know I'm going to jump when that Mm -hmm. shit goes down and you start getting chased and stuff. I'm going to be like, Oh shit. Oh shit. Oh shit. It's going to be a lot of fun. Speaking of, did you see how, what was so familiar about I was just going to say, did you see how the um, Amiibo, like the Amiibo wars of like 2014 started up again because of this? Oh yeah. I'm going to buy the, I'm going to buy the Skyward Sword Amiibo. Yeah. I'm going to get well, dude, these the, Amiibos. The, the Metroid Amiibo I'm completely sold excited. out today. Like all the bots scooped them up. It'll, it'll be back. It'll be back as soon as the PS5 starts hitting. I'll be there. <laughs> hitting the it. stores. Um, well, what's funny is Xbox series is, are starting to pop up here in the States. I'm, I'm starting to get notifications that like GameStop supposedly is going to get some new uh, Xbox series uh consoles tomorrow um so metroid dread i'm probably i'm definitely gonna get it let's just don't be stupid jonathan you're gonna get this game um but as josh says like my heart really is waiting for that uh metroid prime 4 and and i'm hoping that that's a free roam game i'm hoping that you're getting to um to explore more i will go on record right now as saying i do like the metroidvania games uh my favorite and this is a big announcement Mm -hmm. for me I don't think it's going to be a surprise when you hear it. I like the Ori and the Blind Forest. I like all those things. My favorite Metroidvania game that is neither a Metroid or a Castlevania game is Wakamele. Mm. <laughs> I loved Wakamele. So I don't know if anybody really remembers that game too much, Josh. Yeah. I know you do. But Wakamele was hilarious and fun and had a really distinct, cool art style to it. So um, that is my favorite of the. Um, of the Metroidvania games, they had, had a sequel too. Um, okay, so let's talk Loki. We got to talk this, and so I'm going to throw up a little bit of a spoiler warning for Loki episode one. You really should have watched this though, Geekscapist. It is uh, a week out of having watched that first episode, so let's watch, let's talk Loki briefly. Geekscapist, you're definitely going to get Ian Kerner and I in a few weeks talking the full Loki enchilada. Uh, Bolt T says. 
I want predictions and spoilers. Are there other heroes and villains popping up in this series? Loki has to defeat the other TVA, otherwise he dies. What's the twist? What's going on here with this Loki series? I will tell you right now, the Loki series, to me, was best described when I read somebody say that Loki was like if Douglas Adams made a Marvel uh, MCU iteration. Douglas a- Adams, of course, of the Hitchhiker's Guide to the Universe. Mm. Uh, Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. I'm sorry. My bad. Mm. Um, my bad, Jonathan. Yeah. Mile wide and an inch deep on the geek stuff. Uh, yeah, there's a lot of Douglas Adams style jam uh, on this Loki episode one. Um, I loved it. I thought it was fun. Um, but shit, who knows where there's, this is going? I I love just like the design of this whole thing. I love all the different things. Like it feels like, all right, I'm not gonna be as like oh it's, this is Mephisto or whatever <laughs> and, and all, I'm not gonna be as like oh this this has to mean this this has to mean that as I was right. with WandaVision but like it's still we are setting up quite a bit um, in terms of like Loki challenging the TVA and like what is this ultimate timeline obviously we're gonna get the multiverse of madness very soon after this and he is railing against this whole like system and the fact that Owen Wilson is this like detective in a way a detective of time there's so much about this that I'm like oh we're setting up so many cool things but I'm not I'm not gonna I'm not gonna go the Mephisto route because it's also I, I don't know if you guys heard this but like you know that little window pane where like it was like a devil-like creature. People were like, oh my God, that's Mephisto. They're talking about Mephisto. Yeah. And like the creator was like, no, it, we didn't mean it to be like, that's ousted. That they, that has been denied officially. That is not Mephisto. But like, I, we might see a female Loki. Like, I mean, there's... I'd love to see the female Loki, a kid Loki, all the different iterations of the God of Mischief. Uh, and just to say, you know, Michael Waldron, who's the showrunner uh, on Loki, he... Did write the script for Doctor Strange Two, Multitudes of what Multiverse, Multiverse of, Madness, of Madness, and all that stuff. Like you know, this is going to be very seamless in moving into Doctor Strange Two, and you're going to see the WandaVision go into Doctor Strange Two. You're going to see the Doctor Strange Two go into Spider Man. You know, far from you know, No Way Home or whatever. Far. From, uh, uh, yeah. the, the, I think the yeah, third no one home, is yeah. called No Way Home, and I think mm-hmm. the rumor is that that's in reference to the, the villains that are popping up from the multiverse and getting them back home. But uh, yeah, in the comics, there's a long history of a female Loki. There's been a kid Loki for a long time. I, and on his I document, like, it says that his sexuality or his sex is fluid. I'm um, in. I'm in for all of this. And I love, I think as much craziness as was going on, because yes, there was a lot of like really cool retro artwork and, and everything was pretty uh retro and cool but then you also had like sort of a that view of the window had that buck rogers sort of spacescape going on that was awesome um i think the thing that i loved most about this was that we had that this was the immediate this is the loki in the immediate aftermath of that first joss whedon avengers movie he is still very much a villain he's very much a, a mischief maker and we had to catch him up in a way to the Loki that we had as almost a hero type in Thor Ragnarok. Uh, so the redemption had to come very quickly and to spoil episode one, <laughs> the the fact I, I just kept waiting for Loki as the TVA is showing him all the acts that he had done and how irredeemable he is. 
and untrustworthy he is, they're showing him a little bit of like, hello, Loki, this is your life. I was waiting for Loki to get access to the footage of his death and how that would make him feel small and meaningless and that all these toy, you know, the, the, you know, the plans of mice and men and gods didn't mean anything. And then when, I mean, he sees that the infinity stones are paperweights to the TVA. First of all, big shout out to Eugene Cordero. Uh, He is a fantastic comedian, (laughs) big in the improv community. Um, I love that he was in this. Um, One of uh, the things that you can notice throughout, he's got a pen in his pocket that just continues to bleed and have this like bigger, like ink stain as he goes along. He has no idea what a fish is. It's awesome. Yeah. They have a cat, but they don't know what a fish is. Okay. All right. I'll give it to you. But but is it a cat or is it a flurkin? Could be a flurkin. Oh, it could be a flurkin. Um, I think that as much crazy and zaniness as was, was going on, shout out to Michael Waldron and the team for making, yeah. to me, what the highlight of this episode was, was that pathos that Loki went through very quickly, very economically in saying, wow, my feet have just been both literally and uh, internally like swept out from under me and I have to reassess my entire existence. And now let's go up on an adventure. I think the character work in this was really great and they did it in a, I mean, it was again, economic and awesome. And and it's funny when you see Loki go through, like he's got those checks and things like, you know, he gets like ripped of his clothes Mm -hmm. or whatever. And at one point he's like, he's been asked whether or not you're a robot. And, and he has a moment that's kind of human, especially for that version of Loki, like where he's like, what if I didn't know I was a robot this whole time? What would happen? Like, would I die if I didn't know that I was a robot? Like that kind of humanity is something that we hadn't seen, at least from that version um, of Loki that I found a very fascinating choice for them. Yeah, this is this is a good one, Josh. Did you watch it? Do you have thoughts on this, or did we just spoil the shit out of an episode? <laughs> well, I haven't watched it yet, but I've spoiled myself already no! because I, my Disney Plus got canceled and I haven't renewed it yet because I haven't been home. So, oh, well, that's that's not a bad reason. I mean, did you watch the Wandavisions and the Captain America? Captain uh, Falcon I watched Wandavision. Uh, it cut off in the middle of Winter Soldier, though, so I haven't finished okay. that. But we're, we're gonna we're gonna catch you up on that mm-hmm. stuff. We'll catch you up. Yep. You're gonna have. You're gonna be fine. But this is you, just the uh, first episode of Loki. Yeah, yeah and okay. everything you. Josh, do okay. you remember? Sorry, go ahead. Do you, Do you remember in WandaVision, like when they were talking about Wanda being a Nexus? Mm, right. Being? That's one of the the cool things that they were talking about, at least in the timeline stuff, about how like anytime you break the time and of the like the sacred timeline, you become a Nexus or a variant. Mm-hmm. Um, and I found that also kind of fascinating because they call Wanda a Nexus being and Loki has created a Nexus event. Mm-hmm. So it's like, Wanda's yeah. going to... But he's collapsible. Him. But Loki's collapsible. Loki's somebody who's like, oh, you're a second Loki. We can kill you. Yeah. But they, they he's can, not a Nexus prune being. that branch. Yeah. Yeah, we can just trim that branch and that Loki can go away. They really could care less. Wanda has more power, though. And that's Way pretty more. huge. I think it's going to be fun. And um, as far as Bolt T wanting some predictions and spoilers, hell, man, I don't know. I'm starting to read shit about like King the Conqueror, who's definitely the villain in the third Ant Man movie. 
and also yeah. that casting. So like excited. that coming in. Uh, ultimately, Bolti says, how does Loki defeat the three timekeepers when he has no powers and they are more powerful than Infinity Stones? I don't know that he's going to end up defeating the timekeepers. We're, we're, I think phase four of this Marvel universe is going to be the multiverse phase, and it's mm-hmm. going to open up things to get real cosmic. We're looking at you, Reed Richards, and the Fantastic Four. That's going to happen. But this is a multiverse phase. Phase four is the fallout of the Avengers messing with the timey-wimey um, you know, t- <laughs> timeline, and they're messing with the multiverse. We're going to be in the multiverse for a bit. You're going to see old, old old universe characters like the Eternals starting to be play a part in it. We got the TVA adding some scope to just how meaningless the first two, three phases of the Marvel universe were when they're using the infinity stones as paperweights. Um, this is going to be the multiverse. And then maybe the, the third, I, I feel stupid predicting the Marvel stuff because they're always going to be so surprising and fun. Um, but I think maybe when we get through this, multiverse phase four of marvel we're gonna have some fantastic four in place and maybe phase five starts to see a little bit of x-men going on um so yeah they're taking their time with it they're doing it right this is just another uh, this this show just more evidence they're these architects know what they're doing um really really freaking really helps you appreciate how Um, so many different stories from so many different directors and writers are still able to uh weave in and out of each other yeah now adding like tv Oh, and the styles. Hmm. The styles are all completely different. You can't compare WandaVision to the style of Winter Soldier. You can't compare it to this Douglas Adams crazy style that we got here. This is all just a lot of fun ingredients getting thrown into some really awesome stuff every every time. And heck, like I said, like you got your Black Widow uh, tickets, right? Because I'm stoked for that, too. That that has been the plan. That's the first thing we're supposed to see in the theater, too. And I'm like... Uh, oh, is that what you stood me up? <laughs> no, I stood you up because I was at a birthday party in Santa Monica. Mm. And it All was right. cold down there. Okay, okay. Well, we're in a, we're in a heat wave now. Uh, Geeks gave us, I apologize. You probably hear our fans going, it's really hot in LA. Um, okay, let's, let's call it. Geekscape, if you want any more than this, you can probably catch Katie and Josh on this week's Geekscape games. They're going to break down the whole E3 enchilada. All right? That's really what you're going to do. So I'm going to post this on a Wednesday. I'm hoping, if you're a podcast listener, I'm hoping that uh, y'all get the Geekscape games on the Thursday and continue the breakdown of E3. But this is the flagship show. We talk movies, video games, comic books, all the good stuff here. And... um, that's what we got. Josh, anything to add? Katie, anything to add um, for the Geekscapist before we say goodbye? Uh, just pick up Metopia as uh, highlight highlight of <laughs> highlight of 2021 for the Switch, apparently. Oh, my God. I got back to L.A. and I was like, am I going to ever play Metopia again? Oh, well, no. I'm going to get on plane again and then I'll play Metopia some more. Um, Matt Kelly says, great episode as always. I really appreciate that, Matt. Um, I... I love Matt and Matt runs the Geekscape network. And I just got to say, like, I'm always in awe of like just the quality of shows that Matt's helping produce for us uh, from one hit thunder to horror movie night to the return of Disneyos today for a fun special anniversary episode. Look it up on the Disneyos feed. Uh, they talk about Cruella, which you may or may not have seen in the theaters. Geekscapist. You, you got to get the official breakdown from the Disneyos experts. And of course to Xbox game passengers or, um, Femme Regard, the female filmmaking podcast, and then we, of course, have Geekscape Games. 
I think that we are cooking with gas here on Geekscape, and uh, y'all are always welcome if you're listening to this to you know throw us an idea, maybe something fun that you think would be cool uh, on one of our video platforms or audio platforms, or it's a short film. I really don't care. Let's just make cool content and have a lot of fun um, together. So uh, thank you, Matt. The fact that you think this episode's fun and great, it means a lot to me because you're making some fun and great stuff for us here uh, at Geekscape. I'm Jonathan at Geekscape.net. If you want to shoot us anything or you want to advertise with Geekscape, that's something that we're going to start doing here in a bit is bring on ads. And um, Katie, you continue to be a peach. Josh, you continue to be my go-to resource for video game knowledge and amiibo jokes. And, uh, <laughs> Still can't believe you yeah, invest in those. <laughs> El, El Chicho's going to have to make a comeback after this Metroid fiasco today. Oh, it's happening. You really it's do. Happening. You really do. You have mm. to redeem yourself. Me? That's not me. That's my cousin. Geekscape, the redemption story. <laughs> Geekscape is find us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, all the socials. You'll find us, be a part of it. And see you next time. Peace. You're listening to the Geekscape Network. <laughs>